This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Right now that time, 8.15, you're tuned in to WGNS on this Monday morning. And in studio with us this morning from MTSU, we have Dr. Ann Anderson and Dr. Leanne Clark. How are you this morning? Fine, thank you. Thank you for having us. Doing very well, thanks. So I guess first start off telling us a little bit about what you do at MTSU. And if you all would scoot a little closer to that mic or either move the mic however you need to. But tell us first what you do at MTSU. Uh, I'm the Weatherford Chair of Finance, so I teach in the finance area in the Economics and Finance Department. So a lot of numbers. <laughs> a lot of numbers. And, and Leanne, what about you? Sure. I'm in the Management Department. I'm the Talbert Faculty Fellow in Business Ethics, but I also teach a lot of what I call the people courses. I teach um, business ethics, organizational behavior, nonprofit management. Yeah, I bet you see some interesting stuff and teach some interesting stuff then because you're talking about, uh, you know, a little bit of human resources mixed in with psychology and sociology. Exactly. And my background is actually psychology, law and management. Psychology, law. I didn't even know there was <laughs> well, such a thing. That's a <laughs> I have an undergrad in psychology and a law degree. Okay. So. <laughs> Makes sense then. So this morning we're talking about MTSU actually combining its upcoming ethical leadership week with the financial literacy week. And that's going to be the first week of April. So combining those two, I I didn't know they were separate to begin with, but let's combine them. So tell us about that. So the state of Tennessee has declared the first week of April as Financial Literacy Week. And so at MTSU, we're doing our best to try to make sure students understand the importance of financial literacy. So we have many events scheduled throughout the week to help students understand the importance of how to manage their finances and how to make good financial decisions. And ethics goes right along with that. Uh, the financial literacy keynote speaker is Brandon Copeland. He's a linebacker with the New England Patriots. He's going to come speak to students about making good financial decisions, preparing for their future careers. And then we coupled that with uh, Ethics Week. Sure. And our keynote that week is Mila Gregg. She is a brand consultant. And what she does is work with companies and CEOs and individuals to figure out who they are um, and to be authentic and in taking who they are personally and conveying that with their business. And she's going to come talk to students about how important it is for them even now in their college years to figure out who they are and be authentic in portraying that to businesses as they look for jobs. You know, when you talk about, I guess, freshman students and them understanding how to balance a checkbook, how to use cash or spend money wisely. First of all, they probably don't use cash anymore half the time. But how, I guess, where are they in life whenever they come to you starting off at the beginning of their year? I think it's important that it's not just freshmen, it's all students and most adults, as we've seen through the pandemic. We, we've seen a lot of people in trouble because they lost their jobs and they were living paycheck to paycheck. So I think you really have to start with the basics, understanding how much you have, what you need to subsist on, not living beyond your means. And, and that's what we're trying to do with this week. We have someone coming to talk about student debt and smart student debt. We have someone coming to talk about financial planning. Uh, we have the game of life, which will allow them to go through life decisions. And so it's not just 
just freshmen. It's, it's all students that need this, these skills. And, and you couple that with ethics and, and how in this environment they really have to understand the integrity of your decisions and, and how they really need to ask the right questions before they get into an investment that could get them in trouble. Living beyond their means. That, that's something that I think half of society, well, probably a lot more than half of society, they do. They live beyond their means. They finance cars at you know, outrageously priced cars that they probably shouldn't own. They try to move into a bigger house than what they should be paying for. Um, but how do you go about, I guess, teaching? There's no need to do that because that's a, a tough subject to teach. You teach by example, number one, and, and you actually share them uh, situations would actually, which we saw in the financial crisis. We saw people buying houses they couldn't afford. And that's one of the biggest challenges right now is debt is very cheap because of the crisis. And so there's this incentive to go out and borrow, borrow, borrow. But understanding the importance of when you sign that contract, you are ethically bound to pay it back. And that's why I think these two weeks coming together is so exciting is, is we're bringing these two aspects of everyday life and merging them together to, to really help the students understand the importance of leaving college prepared. You know, it, it's almost like growing up, I could actually look back and say to myself, well, I can say exactly when people started buying these bigger houses. They didn't need it. It was probably around 89 to 90 that you first started seeing larger neighborhoods pop up and people who probably you knew in the back of your mind couldn't afford this huge house, they were moving into them. Sure. Uh, the other overlap I would say with Financial Literacy Week and ethics is values. And we really focus on figuring out what are your individual values. And actually in my business ethics class, I ask students and consistently they say it's family, um, it's wanting to give this generation very much is purpose driven. They want what they do to matter to them. Um, a lot of them are not buying as many cars as we did in my generation. Um, they're more mobile. You've got the tiny house. I think there's a real shift in what this group of college students value most. Um, and it's reminding them to think about that and to make decisions consistent with that. Um, and so I think there's a real opportunity with this group of folks by reminding them, helping them develop their skill set, that they won't make a lot of the mistakes that my generation has with the huge houses and the huge amount of debt. You know, when you talk about this generation wanting to, to give back, to help others and all of that, I know there's a saying by Mother Teresa that says, give and give until it hurts. Mm -hmm. But you also have to teach somewhere in there that you can't go over the top to where you're going to hurt yourself financially and sure. won't be able to provide for your family. So there is a lot, I guess, for students and people in general to understand that you do have to balance things in order to survive. Sure. You know, one of the exciting things that we have in this week is we're giving the, the students an opportunity to actually win two scholarships. And that scholarship is based on a reflection piece, so exactly what you're saying. So we're, we want students to go through this week to, to learn about financial literacy, to learn about personal branding, to learn about how they can better prepare themselves for the challenges they're going to face in life, but then to write a reflection paper on that. And then Leanne and I will work together to pick the two winners. But this is a $1,000 scholarship that will help them advance their education. And we're hoping that this grows into something they continue to learn from. So Ethical Leadership Week combined with Financial Literacy Week, the first week of April at MTSU. And these are, I guess there's going to be a workshop that takes place and students will be able to participate in this. But I'm guessing that a lot of different classes and courses, probably the professors will say, you know, here's a chance for you to get some extra points. Go to this and 
write something on it so I know you win. I, I mean, is, does that happen Ab- a lot? Absolutely. We, there's actually the second. There's a second contest with the one-on-one with Brandon Copeland. So there's two contests going on: the scholarship and the one-on-one. And, and many of my peers are offering extra credit to students to write those essays and be prepared. So yes, there's many opportunities for students to learn and earn. So there's going to be a virtual keynote address for the week uh, at 11:20 in the morning on April the 8th. And it says that's via Zoom, so that's something that everybody can tune into from their dorm, from their home, apartment, wherever they are, and and actually participate. Sure, and we're also going to record that because some folks will have a class happening at that same time. So for the next week, they're able to also watch that keynote and do an activity to get what we call, we have a program within the Jones College of Business called Ignite that encourages students to to focus on their professional development. So this this and all the activities that week are Ignite activities. Um, the, as well, the Brandon keynote will be recorded and students can also watch it the following week. So we really are trying to make it available to students. Again, in studio with us this morning from MTSU, Dr. Ann Anderson and Dr. Leanne Clark and talking about leadership and also finances. I'm curious, have you had some students come to you and say, you know, I'm I'm in just a financial mess and I'm barely able to, you know, spend money on gas just to get to the campus? What what should I do? So fortunately, we have some uh, funds available at MTSU that we can go to our dean and, and make sure they're aware of these students that are in need. So unfortunately, yes, we're experiencing that. But I think there's there's several different options that we have on campus to help these students when they do come forth. You know, I can imagine there's some students who come to school for the first time and they've been raised in a household where they really haven't been raised. Mm -hmm. They were never taught how to go about balancing a budget or trying to figure out how much to spend at the grocery store versus how much do you spend on clothing? And then what do you set aside for your heating and air bill? I, I mean, there's all these different things that kids and even adults, like you were saying, have no idea how to do. Yeah, and, and part of that is, like I said, learning by doing. And so one of the challenges that I give to my students is just track what you spend for a week. And you might be really surprised on what you're spending money on and understanding the difference between needs versus wants. And the needs have to come first, right? And so you have to cover what you need before you go out and buy what you want. You know, it seems like there's not a lot of balance in today's life. Either somebody has never had any credit, they've never financed anything or they've financed way too much and they're in way over their heads are you seeing that as well when new students come in they're either over the top financed or they have never financed anything well that's why we're starting off the week with a class on student debt because we do know that student debt is out of control but you know this ties directly to, to ethics week in terms of not not borrowing more than you can afford to do so but also i think it comes to the lenders and and the counseling that we should be giving to students and so my hope is that we begin to work together on both sides of that table not just the people borrowing money but the people lending it that you're asking the right questions and making sure you're not putting that student or that adult in a situation which they can't afford to do so and and that's a two-way street being upfront and honest about what's expected i think sometimes people see financing available two hundred dollars a month for whatever it is you're buying and you think two hundred dollars a month is nothing but then you all of a sudden have 10 things that are two hundred dollars a month and you're having problems like I said, it's asking the right questions, both as the consumer as well as the lender. And, and that comes down to tying those two pieces together, ethics and financial literacy. So folks can learn more about this online through MTSU's website, and probably they can just search Financial Week? or If they do MTSU Financial Literacy Week, they'll, they'll get information on both ethics and financial literacy and all the events that we have planned for that week. And there is definitely a lot going on, it looks like. Uh, you have 
of course, keynote speakers. You have guests coming in. I, I mean, there's a lot that's happening for sure. Have you done this type of event before? Well, we tried to do it last year, uh, which was shut down by the pandemic. So last year was the first time we we're going to do Literacy Week, but Ethics Weeks have been going on well, for a while. This will be our fifth year of doing Ethics Week, and we too had to. It didn't happen last year because COVID about this time shut everything down. But this will be our fifth year, and a key part of Ethics Week is we do have local leaders come into the classroom and interact with students. This year, most of our classes are on Zoom, which provides, you know, people aren't having to make that commute from Nashville to participate. So we're getting a lot of very good, quick responses that they would like to interact with our students. But we think that people, students learning from people that are leading ethically, and we're focusing on truth and integrity this week is is probably the most important part of what we offer during Ethics Week. Do you have to be a student to participate in some of these things going on? You do for like the classroom speakers. So it is just limited to those classes. Um, For the keynote with Mila Grigg, we're going to make the recording available to others and we'll have that posted on an external link that people can access. We're going to also make the Brandon uh, Copeland video uh, available, but I would also say that I've invited students from Eastern Tennessee State, Tennessee Tech, UT Martin, and Austin P to participate in the Brandon Copeland event because it is remote. And, and I want those students to have the opportunity to learn as well. And so we've invited students from those universities to participate as well. You know, it sounds like both of you really enjoy putting stuff like this together and, and really just helping students and those who are coming in to school for the first time uh, better understand how to deal with finances. Because when they leave the university, hopefully they're going to be in the right direction of getting their first big job. And when I say big job, it could be $30,000 a year or it could be $100,000 mm-hmm. a year. But the, the point is a lot of them won't know how to, how to, how to properly manage those funds, those payments, you know, the, the employment payments and all. They won't know how to do them. I think we're very focused on increasing the skill set of our students. And so we hope that the time that they spend with us at MTSU, they will know where to go. They will start practicing those good habits. They will reflect on what's important to them and then make decisions where they get employed that matches what's important to them. How many students today still use cash? I mean, do you have some come to you and say, you know, I use cash for everything? I would imagine that very few do. I think that's one of the challenges of the financial industry itself. Local banks are trying to figure out how do you how do you work with the clientele that doesn't come to the bank. And so I think those are disadvantages we have to consider. Sometimes it's easier to manage cash because you know exactly how mm-hmm. much you have. And, you know, well, I can't spend over that amount. But if you have a credit card, that's where you get into trouble, I think, a lot of times. Yeah, exactly. So if anybody has questions about any of these events coming up, just go to the MTSU website where that's where they can find out more more details on it. Absolutely. Um, is there anything you want to say in closing about all this? I just encourage all to participate. And if you have questions, please let us know. Again, with us this morning, Dr. Ann Anderson and also Dr. Leanne Clark from MTSU. And we've been talking about MTSU's upcoming Ethical Leadership Week and Financial Literacy Week, which is the first week of April. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Time right now, 8.30. More news and information is coming up. If you could use a little more tranquility in your life, and let's be honest, after the last year we all could, then consider a home aquarium. Multiple studies have shown that aquariums reduce stress, elevate mood, and lower blood pressure. Here at Animal City, we have all the supplies and knowledge needed to create your own aquatic oasis. This is Amanda at Animal City, inviting your family to come do business with my family. 
we are happy to put our 30 years of pet experience to work for you. 919 Northwest Broad Street. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas' Restaurants. One of the things when we were looking at trying to craft our menu to help those who are dieting is the side dishes. A lot of times we were so used to eating starches and unhealthy side dishes. In addition to our spinach, which we've had on the menu from the start, we've added zucchini and green beans, but we've also added broccoli. The broccoli is properly steamed so it's not too soft and not too hard. Please have your family join our family for lunch or dinner seven days a week at Demas's. Cloudy this afternoon, areas of showers and a few thunderstorms, high in the upper 60s. Tonight, cloudy, chance of showers and storms, a low of 54. I'm meteorologist Laura Lockwood on News Radio, WGNS. Right now, 59. You can make a meaningful difference in 2021. KidLink Community Services is currently seeking foster parents in your area. KidLink provides free training and certification. Contact KidLink today at 877-714-1313 or KidLinkServices.com. Family Staffing Solutions is proud of our local veterans. I'm Becky Bookner, and as life challenges appear, talk with Family Staffing Solutions about how we can help you stay at home. Call Family Staffing Solutions. Family Staffing Solutions. The Action Line on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. We're Rutherford County's place to talk. Right now that time, 8.32, you're tuned in to WGNS and in studio now from MTSU, Cynthia Chafin, Associate Director of Community Programs for the MTSU Center for Health and Human Services. How are you this morning? I'm great, thank you. So that covers a lot of stuff, doesn't it, I guess? I mean, a title <laughs> like that, you got to be pretty busy. Yes. Now, MTSU recently secured an $816,000 federal grant, and it's for the STEM Sational Ag the virtual farm project what what is yes. the virtual farm because it seems like it'd be hard to do farming virtually uh well that's a great question we actually uh saw a funding opportunity chhs basically operates off of grants and external funding so we are always looking for great opportunities to make a difference to fill in some gaps that are needed out there and the usda had a uh, grant notification about uh it was a rapid response to coronavirus grant specific to education. So we took a look at that and thought, hmm, it's agricultural, but we do have campus partners who we have a school of agriculture. So we met with them. Uh, of course, our focus is on health and there was some intersection there and we decided to write this grant. So uh, in a world of COVID, practically everything was virtual. Um, a lot in the news about uh, schools, education, teachers, parents not expecting to be teachers, but yet put in that role. What could we do with agriculture and health to help support the needs that were out there during COVID? So we're building an online training program curriculum uh, that focuses on agriculture that brings the farm to the students. One uh, percent of agriculture uh, production, uh, that's that's where we're at right now, 1% uh, in the United States, and 99% of us are agriculturally illiterate. So this will be an opportunity not just to, to meet a need with teachers who are struggling for content in a virtual world, but also to teach kids about agriculture, science, technology, engineering, and math. So this U- 
USDA-related grant for over $800,000. How specifically is MTSU going to utilize that in order to make all this work? Because it, it does sound like an interesting project. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, one of the things that we do well is pull together all of our resources on campus. We have so many great resources on campus uh, in a variety of different areas, and that's that's our first step is pulling together people who can help with this. We have a college of education. Uh, you know, this curriculum, it, it's not just a certain age group of kids that, that are dealing with the pandemic, it's all of us. So our college of education is going to help Help us make things age appropriate. Uh, we have our virtual instructional designers at University College who are going to help us get it all online. Of course, our School of Agriculture, uh, they, uh, they have all of the content expertise over there, as well as our dietetics professionals. Uh, we have a lot, of, lot on campus to pull from, but the really exciting thing is we're bringing in community partners from uh, 11 states. Uh, Tennessee is one state plus 10 other states in the southeastern region. We've already had several conversations with them, uh, formal meetings, informal conversations uh, from partners in an 11-state area. We have people from the National Dairy Council. We have people from public health, uh, from 4-H, from extension offices. We have all of these resources out there, and our role is to pull them all together and create something meaningful out of it. You know, agriculture is interesting because it's not what you think it is today. I mean, it's everything from microbreweries in Nashville to hemp farms and marijuana farms, which are a thing that are actually, I mean, those things are actually happening. Well, at least the hemp farms are in Tennessee. Yeah. And I can probably see and picture someday we'll have marijuana farms here as well. But those all fall under agriculture and those are all very new age things, yet they have a long history. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I wish uh, some of my colleagues were here with me this morning from uh, the School of Agriculture. I know they could share so much, but but you're absolutely right. And it's been a learning experience for me. I'm part of the 99% agriculturally illiterate population. So for me, every unit that we produce uh, for this curriculum, it's a learning experience. But just like you said, agriculture, it touches so many different areas. Um, if we eat, we are uh, we are involved in agriculture. We all eat, so uh, food, shelter, uh, fibers. That's all agriculture. It touches all of us. Of course, even clothing, and I, we do have several cotton farms right here in Rutherford County that are pretty sizable operations. So that's another branch of agriculture. But one of the things at MTSU is the new fermentation science program, mm -hmm. which I say new, it's been a couple of years mm -hmm. now that they started this. That's something that is getting pretty big. Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Tony Johnston uh, and also Dr. Keely O'Brien, they are co-investigators on this project and they are uh, the, the lead faculty in that program. So, uh, so yeah, they've been invaluable. They've brought a lot of excitement and energy to this, and I think it's I think it's really going to uh, create uh, a lot of interest, uh, not just with our own students here in Tennessee, but like I mentioned, these other states. 
Um, a couple of things, uh, Dr. O'Brien has been working on the curriculum uh, and will continue. It's, it's going to be a year-long process. We're not starting completely from scratch. That was part of, uh, part of the premise of this grant. It's a rapid response grant, so we had to demonstrate how we could rapidly deploy some of the things that we already have, and she has a portfolio of, of ideas, activities, uh, curriculum, and is now trying to synthesize that. But some of the topics, as an example, chicken coop, chicken soup. Uh, she's very creative, uh, as are the rest of the team who, who is putting this together. But, you know, kids anywhere can learn how to build a chicken coop. They may have no idea uh, anything about raising poultry, processing eggs, that sort of thing. It's a fun activity. Um, that particular unit is still under development, but they will they will know how to build a chicken coop. That will be their project is to build a chicken coop. Uh, it will go all the way through raising poultry. What does that involve? What about the eggs? What happens once the chicken lays the eggs? What? How are they processed? It may go further into the transportation. How are they transported to the store? And then they may talk about careers. Well, are you interested um, in, in this type of career. It doesn't necessarily have to be on the farm. They may be the ones that are in, in the production process, or they may be the ones working in the grocery stores as a manager or in some other role. So it's meant to uh, provide them with some education in different topics, but also to talk about careers. And the other piece of it is with COVID, uh, you know, economic issues, food insecurity, financial insecurity, being able to make your own food at home sometimes has been a lost art. I know as a parent, uh, I don't cook as much as I probably should cook, but with COVID, we're all, we were all at home. Uh, there were no takeouts for a long, long time. So this helps with food preparation, food preservation. Uh, uh, it, it contributes to more economic security by teaching people how to manage their food. Again with us this morning, Cynthia Schaefen from MTSU talking about a new, well, 800,000 plus federal grant for the stem sational ag the virtual farm project and part of this project or one of the main focuses of the project is to bring agriculture into local school systems like rutherford county to better educate children on how agriculture works and how they can be a part of it but this this is going to hopefully equal long-term learning of agriculture within local school systems maybe even all over the country Absolutely. We are looking forward to seeing how this project plays out. We do have uh, some of our faculty on the project who are helping us evaluate uh, along the way so we can see are the kids learning. We've built in some self-checks and self-evaluations. Are they learning the content? Getting some qualitative feedback. Well, what do you think about it? What would you like to see different? How has it helped you? Are you now interested in something maybe you weren't interested in before or learned something that uh, maybe you had no idea was even out there. So so we do uh, have a way of getting some feedback on what we're offering. And the great news is, is that it can live on even after this grant uh, ends. 
we're creating something that will have some legs that uh, hopefully will be useful for future students, parents, and educators. Positive stuff. Again, Cynthia Schaefen with us with MTSU. If anybody would like to learn more about this, I assume they can go to the MTSU website and just search for STEM-sational. That's probably the easiest thing to search for. Yeah, yeah, they can do that. And then our center's website is mtsu.edu slash chhs. We'll have all kinds of things on the website about it as well. But the virtual farm, that is, Mm -hmm. again, the title of this grant. And and it's going to be used at MTSU and hopefully it'll be it'll trickle down into the schools all over the country so that kids can learn more about agriculture absolutely well thank you for joining us this morning and have you got any i don't know closing words on this subject uh no just i appreciate the support that we've gotten from our campus as well as uh so many in rutherford county and throughout tennessee it's going to be great it's going to be stem sational and we can't wait to get started sounds good thank you for joining us this morning More information coming up from MTSU in just a minute. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. I was sent first to radio school. Then when I finished that, I was sent to Yuma, Arizona to gunnery school. Dr. Charles Edwin Howard, a World War II veteran. And here we started out with shotguns on the back of a pickup truck standing up and we fired at discs thrown out, went around big circle. We went from that to a place where we sat and they showed pictures of airplanes coming out of the side and front and so forth and we fired a light gun at these. Then they sent me to Savannah, Georgia, and there we met the crew that we would fly with. Dr. Howard was in the U.S. Air Force. November of 1943, we got on the Ile de France, the old iconic luxury ship. I was uh, 13 floors down from the top. It was very uh, sickening and very hot. Bad, slept in a hammock. It took us quite a few days to get across. Oh, I was sick almost all the time. So was everybody else. But uh, we finally docked right out of Glasgow, Scotland. We got in a truck and drove to a place called Defum Green. That was a little village, and all around this village was the base, 452nd Palm Group. And that was my assignment. This has been a salute to veterans on WGNS Radio. Have you experienced the nightmare of water, mold, or fire damage? Call Restoration One for a free estimate. Veteran and locally owned, fast and available 24-7. Restoration One offers preventative maintenance so that you never have to experience a loss like this again. Restoration One, the water damage experts. Has life kept you away from the dentist? Visit us at Almaville Farms Family Dentistry in Smyrna. We're a family dental practice for you and your family's dental needs. We offer general and cosmetic dentistry. We're located just off of I-24 on Almaville Road. Almaville Farms Family Dentistry. Precision Air knows you want the air inside your home as safe and clean as possible. Clean the air in your home with an affordable UV system. WGNS listeners get $50 off. 615-930-0088. A whole house air purifier. 615-930-0088. The Action Line on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSradio.com. We're Rutherford County's place to talk. Right now that time, 846, with us now in studio, Megan Whiffley, director of the June Anderson Center for Women and Non-Traditional Students. How are you this morning? Great, how about you? I am good. 
So you're going to talk a little bit about National Women's History Month and the celebration that will actually have a lot of different events, I guess, all wrapped into it. What are some of the events that are going to be part of this this year? Yeah, so we're really excited about this year's Women's History Month. Um, you know, unfortunately, due to the pandemic last year, our Women's History Month was cut short. Uh, we're very lucky to have a, a continuation of last year's uh, topic. Last year, it was uh, women voting rights because of the 100th year of suffrage, and they're continuing that on this year and uh, refusing to be silenced in, in voting um, so we're super excited about that. We have a lot of um, virtual events this year, you know, just because we're still, we're not bringing a lot of people to campus. We're, we're trying to not uh, have a lot of people travel. All month long, we have a uh, self-guided tour called In the Footsteps of Notable Women, and that's brought to us by the Historic Preservation Society and the MTSU, um, or the, the MTSU Center for Historic Preservation Society and the Heritage Center of Murfreesboro. Um, we are also, uh, and I just went over and saw it, it's excellent. On the periphery, it's an art show, and it's on the second floor of the uh, county clerk's office. And that was a art show that we did through the Office for Violence Against Women grant in our office um, on stalking awareness back in January. It was in the Todd Art Glass Gallery back in February, and now it's over here just off of the square. But it was stalking awareness? Yes. So um, every January is stalking awareness month. And it just kind of raises awareness about the different uh, types of stalking, the effects of stalking on the victims and the survivors of stalking. And so all of the art pieces have a very personal uh story with them so if you go up to the art show you'll see there's a little blurb next to each art piece about what they went through how they felt what they had to do to uh, heal throughout their stocking process you know when you look at history here in america america is a fairly young country compared to places like the uk where you say 100 years ago and it's like yesterday there but yep. here i mean 100 years ago we we really are fairly new and with that means that suffrage that may have mm -hmm. happened it didn't happen that long ago it didn't and you know for some people you know their families don't even really want them to go out and and vote um and so even for some families for especially some historical families they're still not voting you know some of our younger students their their parents their families haven't uh given them that opportunity to make those decisions for themselves to learn about what's going on in our society and then go out and uh, sort of, you know, with their right, make those decisions. You know, Murfreesboro is kind of a melting pot. In other words, we have people from all of, over the world who move here for mm -hmm. jobs and for other things. But MTSU, that's definitely one of those places where it's just a mixed background of people. Oh, it sure is. And you have students from other countries who are there it's got to be interesting to hear some of those students' stories and how they view things like the right to vote mm -hmm. or the right to do anything for that matter. Yep. Oh, it sure is. And, you know, we see students in the um, June Anderson Center for Women and Non-Traditional Students every day who, you know, they their background is different from anybody else we've seen. The uh, family pressures that they have. 
um, you know, working with non-traditional students and women, we, we have students who are coming back to school, especially now after the pandemic, after years of being out of school or being, you know, either stay at home or they were in a career that now has faltered because of the pandemic. So we see a lot of students with a variety of different backgrounds. Do you ever talk to students, you know, who, let's say a, a female student comes to you and they say, you know, I was raised to believe that I shouldn't do this, this or this. And I was taught that I, sh- I can't do this, but yet somehow they broke away from that in order to go to college. Because, yeah. you know, in, in the past, you now my grandmother, she died at uh, right around 93, but she was one of the few at her age who went to college. Mm-hmm. She went to, I believe it was UCLA at the time. And those are rare stories. Um, you don't hear about people who are in their 90s who went to college right. who are female. But right. there are some here who broke away from that and and maybe they're 20 years old 21 years old but they're the first female in their house or in their family to ever go to college we sure do you know we see that every day where they don't have any familial support um their parents didn't want them to go to college didn't want to leave them to leave the the town that they were in their grandparents didn't understand why they needed needed a degree i myself my grandmother was one of the first female principals at an elementary school in wisconsin and so i myself you know have a background very similar to that where my grandmother was one of the first highly educated people in our family and did something that women in, at that time, you know, in the 1950s didn't do. You know, of course, a woman can make that decision to go to college and they can decide if they want to be a stay-at-home mom. But the point is they should be able to make that decision. Yes. But I'm sure you hear stories where people aren't given that right to make that decision, even though we live in America. Every day. Yes. Unfortunately, you know, people just don't understand the ramifications of not making their own choices, you know, by by listening to their friends, their family, you know, just societal norms, they don't know what making that decision now could do for their future. So what other things are you going to be addressing with National Women's History Month? I mean, what's going to take place on the campus? So similarly to that, tonight there's an empowerment seminar. It's a 90-minute workshop that's being hosted on Zoom. We are super excited for tomorrow. Tomorrow is our keynote speaker. Uh, That is Dr. Mary Frances Berry. She is an advocate. A um, She's taught policy and law, and she was a chancellor at UC Boulder. She is just so articulate in the you know rights of women and um, political change and action that women um, can make in their their careers. We are so excited to have her. We'll have a 40 minute Q and A with her or 40 minute uh, speaker session and then a Q and A with her tomorrow. That starts at seven. That's on Zoom. That information is all listed on the Women's History Month website. Um, there's several others. There's a Dancing for Suffrage event. There is a gender equality and economic freedom event. And then um, also tomorrow in the afternoon is um, a kind of a a Chinese uh, music and literature session from two very well-known Chinese uh, activists. So one of the events tonight is entitled Three Steps to Claiming Your Voice, a Framework for Empowerment. It sounds like that's the type of, I don't know, seminar or workshop that could really be useful for a lot of people, not just one race, not just male or female, but really anybody. For sure. And that is um, being promoted by our WISDOM, the uh, Women in STEM Education 
uh, group and so they are promoting that they're putting that on tonight by zoom and you know what they told me about it was it's really going to be about finding your voice and who you are and being able to promote that I think for students, a lot of time they first realize maybe who they are once they're in college yeah. because they're free for the first time where they don't have to be home by a certain time. They can make their own rules. They're in charge of their own finances. I mean, everything is new to them in a big way. For sure. Identity development during the college years is huge. I mean, if you read a lot of the different theorists, um, this is the time for most people where their identity becomes solid you know they they were given some identity in high school and previously but this is where they become who they are and for so many if they went to a big high school they may not have been noticed by anybody yep. you know they just tried to blend in but in college there's a well it's like living in a city because mm -hmm. there's so many students there they're able to make new friends whereas mm -hmm. before maybe they didn't have any friends yep. they can also you know join some clubs and organizations that they maybe wouldn't have in high school they they have the ability to be a part of um different things that that you know pique their interest but they didn't have that chance or that opportunity to do involvement is very key in college and and meeting new people, learning new things, being able to think about things critically from all different vantage points, that's huge in college. Again, with us in studio, Megan Whiffley, director of the June Anderson Center for Women and Non-Traditional Studies. And once more, this uh, event going on, I guess, this week, all throughout the week. Yeah, so it's all month long. This week is our keynote event. That's on Tuesday night, and that's the one we're doing a, a webinar with Dr. Mary Frances Berry. Uh, every year we kind of have a highlighted event, and that is our highlighted event for this year. And uh, I guess all of this stuff will be online as well. So anything yes. that's in person, mm -hmm. that'll be posted online as well. Yes, so if you go to the June Anderson Center website on the left-hand side, it'll say uh, National Women's History Month. Underneath the information tab is our PDF of our entire calendar. Um, all of our links are listed there. Um, otherwise, too, also on the June Anderson Center um, Facebook. And then you also have, uh, it says buttons available. Yeah. So but they're, and they're actually last year's buttons. Um, due to COVID, we were not going to be passing things out this year, obviously. But anybody who's interested in one of our commemorative 2020 buttons can just let me know and I'll drop them on campus mail or um, I can always leave them at our front desk or whatever for anybody to come pick up. I haven't heard the word buttons in a while. I, yes, yeah. yeah, and we just, we unfortunately, we were cut short last year, so we did have them left over um, because, like I said, we're not handing things out. We're trying to be, you know, very, very safe and COVID friendly. Um, I will mail them to anybody who needs them. So while it may be too late this year, but if, if maybe next year, if somebody would like to volunteer to help out with this, how can they do that? Sure, they can just contact me um, either my information is on the junior center website otherwise our email is jacws at mtsu.edu and that is um, you know a, a great way to get a hold of us and we can see what you can do to help or maybe if anybody especially from the community is interested in hosting an event on our calendar we can definitely look into that so how often do you have people in the community contacting you saying, hey, look, I want to do a seminar. I want to talk to students about this. I want to tell them my story. I mean, does that happen? Yeah, probably about once or twice a year. It just depends on, um, you know, what they're doing. We usually have a theme every year. And while things don't have to be 
on the theme of our our month we do try to do a lot of things around it and unfortunately we never know too far in advance what the theme is we usually find out in september what it will be for the following march i guess people are not chomping at the bit to tell about themselves but it, it just it, depends some are so some yeah, are some are <laughs> but you know it, it is interesting to hear the stories of others and things that they went through that maybe they thought wasn't a big deal but when somebody else hears it you're like wow that that's a lot you, you, you should tell your story and you know that is some of the best ways to motivate especially college students is personal stories um, people that they might see out in the community or professors or other students they really they, they really get a, a personal feeling from from those stories I always enjoy those at TED talks yes on, on oh, I love TED and, talks. <laughs> but I, I'm sure you're gonna have some stories that are gonna be told throughout the week that are similar to some of the stories you would hear on TED talks for, oh, for example sure. Mm-hmm. for sure and these are stories of people who overcame obstacles that probably most of us would have a hard time with. Oh, and you know, especially Women's History Month, that is, we should be celebrating these things all year, but this is our month to be able to tell the stories we need to tell and for people to really sit up and listen. Again, with us this morning, Megan Whiffley, and we uh, again, director of the June Anderson Center for Women and Non-Traditional Students. Uh, but again, all this is online. If you want to learn more about anything going on at MTSU, just go to the MTSU website. There you'll find all the information. Yep, for sure. Well, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you very much. Time right now, 8.59. Local news comes your way next. Old friends, new name, better together. As First National Bank of Murfreesboro transforms into Capstar Bank, our focus is on you. We're entering a new generation of banking in Rutherford County, but we'll always remain a community bank with local people you trust and uniquely exceptional service you deserve. We're at 2230 Mercury Boulevard, capstar.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender.